Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I want to welcome you to the Refined Platform today. And um, I believe that we have been blessed on this platform thus far. And I really want to give Jesus the praise for his faithfulness. For thus far, he has helped us. Hallelujah. Alright, today we are going to be moving over to another course in our curriculum. And that's the course on doctrine. Glory to God. Doctrine. So let's have a word of prayer. Everlasting Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you because your hand is mighty in our midst. Your glory is here. Your power is here. Your anointing is here. We thank you, Lord Jesus, because this gathering is unto the Lord. Unto the Lord shall the gathering of his people be. And we thank you because, oh God, your word is strong in our midst. Thank you because your glory is here. Thank you, Father, because your spirit, oh God, is free to move in our midst today. Thank you, Father, for all you are set to get accomplished. Thank you for strengthening that comes by your word, transformation. Thank you for encounters. Thank you for new beginnings today. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for opening up of our eyes of understanding. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for veils fall off the eyes of your precious daughters today. Thank you for supernatural empowerment. We give you praise and glory. And all we declare and desire is that you will have your way in us, O God. That your word and your spirit will have a free flow and a full course in our midst today. In the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you because our prayers are answered. Our desires are granted. And Jesus is indeed Lord. We take charge of this atmosphere everywhere where every platform, every um, student on the refined platform is present. We take charge of the atmosphere. We take authority over every foul spirit of distraction, every foul spirit of hindrance and limitation. In the name of Jesus, we command light to shine in every place in the name of Jesus Christ. We give you praise and glory. In Jesus mighty name we have prayed amen Amen. glory to god yeah today we are going to be looking at one of these topics under our curriculum doctrine and the topic is actually salvation but the way the holy spirit gave the topic to me today is the power the gospel of christ the power of god unto salvation The gospel of Christ, the power of God unto salvation. So permit me to title this, the gospel of Christ, the power of God unto salvation. So the gospel of Christ, the power of God unto salvation. The anchor scripture for tonight will be taken from the book of Romans chapter 1. And I start the reading from verse 16 to 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. I take that again. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. For everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Verse 17. For in it, in other words, in the gospel, 
Hallelujah. The righteousness of God is revealed. Hallelujah. The righteousness of God is revealed. From faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Glory to God. The just shall live by faith. Now, what does this scripture mean? Amen. Now, what the scripture is saying, especially if you go back to verse 16, it says that I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. There is something about the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. The word salvation there means soteria, to be saved and to be saved. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, to be saved from sin and all its consequences. Glory to God. To be saved from sin and all its consequences. So what that scripture is saying is that the gospel of Christ, say the gospel of Christ. The gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. So anyone, for instance, who is sick, who believes in the gospel of Christ will receive healing because that gospel becomes the power of God to healing for that person. Someone say amen to that. Amen. When someone, you know, lacks physical cash in one's pocket and he says you can believe that gospel of Christ, it is the power of God unto prosperity, unto abundance for you. Amen. Now, I need to call your attention by the Spirit of God back to the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. What is the gospel of Christ that is the power of God unto salvation? Every minister must understand it because our assignment is to preach the gospel of Christ. Amen. No matter what you are doing, it could even be a ministry. And if people do not take their reference point from the gospel of Christ, they will begin to preach gospels that are, you know, another of another kind. Amen. We are only permitted to preach another topic in that sense of the same kind, still in the gospel of Christ. A number of believers have misplaced this foundational priority. A number of believers have misplaced this foundational priority. And that is why, you know, some do not exactly know and understand what we have been called to preach. So this night, I want to look into what is the gospel of Christ. Because the gospel of Christ to a man that is not saved, a sinner man, when you give the gospel of Christ to a sinner man, what that gospel will do is that it is the power of God unto salvation. Amen. It brings that man what? Salvation. Everything we need is wrapped up in the gospel of Christ. Everything we would ever require is wrapped up in the gospel of Christ. Why will God end the first, you know, covenant and start and effect a new one that is no longer limited to Israel as it were, but now to the end of the head? What was God up to? These are the things we want to look at tonight. But remember that the gospel of Christ 
is the power of God unto salvation. Before I come into the definition of that gospel, or maybe I should just go straight way into it. Now, this is the gospel of Christ. The gospel of Christ is the message of the identity, the incarnation, the life example. I mean, the example Jesus gave us while he walked the face of the earth, the substitutionary assignment, the suffering of Jesus, his death on the cross of Calvary, is going to hell, his resurrection, and then his ascension unto the Father, in fact, to the right hand of the Father, and all its implications as being a known reality, that is the gospel of Christ. Hallelujah. So, if you understand this, you would know that what we have been called to preach is all about Jesus. Amen. Our message is Jesus Christ. It is Christ in us, the hope of glory. Amen. We are saved because of Jesus. We are healed because of Jesus. We are prosperous because of Jesus. Everything must take its foundation from the person, the identity, and all that Jesus has come to do, all for us, in us, with us, and through us, is all about Jesus Christ. And that's what we've been called to do. And it says this gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. So, and um, if you study the book of Romans chapter 10 and verse 13, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Glory to God. Whosoever, 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 a man, a woman, a child, an Islamist person, a terrorist, a sinner, a murderer, a drunkard, an Hindu, you know, whatever had been the situation of that person before that time, Bible says, for whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That is the gospel of Christ. Hallelujah. And verse 14, he says, how then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? So our work as believers as revealed in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, you start the reading from verse 18, glory to God, you would realize that God has given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. Because in the dispensation where we live, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But Bible says, how then shall they call upon him? In whom they have not believed. How will they call upon a person in whom they have not believed? So we have our assignment in helping men to believe. And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? There are still nations in this world that have not heard the gospel of Christ. How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they hear without a preacher? 
And verse 15. Glory to God. Amen and amen. amen. And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of Christ. How beautiful are they that preach the gospel of peace. Who bring glad tidings of good things. And verse 16. Hallelujah. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? And verse 17, very key principle. He says, so then, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Glory to God. So, the assignment of every minister, it doesn't matter Whatever kind of ministry you have been called into is to preach the gospel of Christ. Is to show Christ to the people. There is just something about that gospel. You know, I remember this great evangelist, Ryan Bonke, calls it the good news. Even scripture says it's the good news. Someone once questioned him. So why do you call the gospel of Christ the good news? He says because there is something about that gospel. When you preach it, it happens. It becomes the news for the hour. Hallelujah. And so our assignment is to show men to Jesus. There is an error in the generation. People are showing men to themselves. People are showing men to money. People are showing men to good jobs. All these things are meant to be additions. That is not our message. People are showing men to marriage. To all these things are additions. They are blessings. Our assignment is to preach the gospel of Christ. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Every ministry under the new covenant must take its footing from the gospel of Christ. And that is why men have gotten into a place where there is no more supply. Because the supply of God's spirit will only be given to sponsor and facilitate the gospel of Christ on the face of the earth. But when you get to a point where you begin to say some things, where you are trying to use logics and wisdom to create and form how you can make things work. Listen, we are not just people that talk to motivate others. We are not motivational speakers. We are ministers of the Most High God. Someone say amen to that. Hallelujah. We are not motivational speakers. And that's why preachers have to be careful. Because the time will come and the time is here, I say. We are men will begin to raise pastors to themselves. For they will have an itching ears. Pastors that will begin to tell them what they want to hear. Say not to me. Hallelujah. We have been called to preach the gospel of Christ. That's our assignment. Amen and amen. Glory to God. Say, I'm a minister of the new covenant. I'm a minister of the new covenant. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen and amen. So let's start with this message of identity. Amen. 
The gospel of Christ. Who is Christ? Who is Jesus Christ? It must be clear to us. So that as we go preaching the gospel of Christ, it is so clear. There is no ambiguity. There is no confusion. Our message is clear to the people of the world. We are not trying to say A and they are thinking we mean B. Hallelujah. Alright? So the first scripture on identity, on who the Son of God is, I will give to you from the book of John, chapter 1 and verse 1. Bible says in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word... Okay, the beginning was the Word, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. I'll take that again. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It was in the beginning with God. How things were made through Him, and, and without Him, nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Someone say amen to that. And in verse 14 of the same John chapter 1, Bible says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glorious of the holy begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. amen. Glory to God. Amen and amen. Glory to God. And when Jesus stepped into the river Jordan to be baptized of John the Baptist, while John was still wondering that, oh, you are the Lord, you are the Lamb of God, that should come after me. Jesus said something. He said, suffer it to be so. Suffer it to be so for now. He just had to fulfill all righteousness. And in the book of Matthew chapter 3 and verse 17, a voice came from heaven. A voice came from heaven to introduce Jesus to us. We must know who he is. Hallelujah. And the the Bible says in verse 17 of Matthew 3, And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. So that was God's introduction of Jesus. He says he is what? My beloved son. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Jesus is the beloved son of God. Amen. Amen. And when you are talking about the identity of Jesus, you must understand that he is God. (laughs) When you are talking about the identity of whom we have to believe in, you must understand that he is the maker of heaven and earth. You must understand that by him were all things made. You must understand that without him was anything made that was made, including you, including me. Someone say amen to that. So the gospel of Christ is the gospel of the son of the living God. Hallelujah. Jesus is God. Jesus 
is the son of the living God. Jesus is the living word. We need to know it. When Jesus was going to be born through Mary the virgin, the spermatozoa of Joseph had nothing to do with it. The ovum of Mary had nothing to do with it. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. He was not a man that was born after the order of Adam. He was an intrusion into the sense realm. Oh, the angel speaking to Mary. He says, you that have found favor before God. Mary was wondering what manner of greeting is this. Hallelujah. And the angel announced to Mary that she will conceive and be found with a son. Mary said something prophetic. Oh, she said, how will these things be? And the angel of the Lord described how that this will be by the Spirit of God and the spermatozoa of God, the Word. Glory to Jesus. The power of the Most High will take you over, will overshadow you, and you will conceive and you will be found with a son. So understand that Jesus came to this earth through what we call an incarnation. He came through what is not the norm, but it looks like the norm. Someone say amen to that. Because God himself became man. Hallelujah. God by whom all things were made became man. And we must let people know this, that God so loved the world... He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He so loved the world that he gave himself to come. To come take the place of man. Hallelujah. Oh, John 3, 16. Hallelujah. Glory to God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only beloved and begotten son. That whosoever whosoever believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life so I have described to you the identity of Jesus it must be clear because if it is not clear one day you might stand to preach the gospel and someone is asking you how come Jesus What's the difference between Jesus and Muhammad? What's the difference between Jesus and, you know, this Indian man? What's the difference between Jesus and Songo? It must be clear to you who Jesus is. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And no other could have been born after this form or this way that Jesus came into this world. He came by an incarnation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Okay? Before I go on to the life example of Jesus, you know, I just perceive that I need to do a little teaching on why salvation. Glory to God. Why did Jesus have to come? Because if this is not clear to people, if this is not clear to the preacher, if this is not clear to the minister, how can he bring it to the understanding of the people? Amen. We are talking about the gospel of Christ, the power of God unto salvation. 
It's all about what Jesus came to do for us. What Jesus has done for us. Amen. Everything we have, we are right now, is based on what Jesus has done. So the gospel is to show the people what Jesus has done and what that means to them. What that, you know, is going to give to them. And their faith in that gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Hallelujah. Salvation is the result. Healing is salvation. Salvation is the result. Prosperity is salvation. Salvation is the result. Amen and amen. amen. Grace is salvation. Salvation is the result. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So why did Jesus come? Amen. I'll just deviate quickly into this topic to come back to what we have defined as the gospel of Christ. So, why? Now, it's important for you, every one of us to know that the man that God created in the book of Genesis chapter 1, and we start the reading from verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image and according to our likeness. In our image and according to our likeness. Let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the herd and all that all that creeped upon the head. Glory to God. Over every creeping thing upon the face of the head. And in verse 27, Bible says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. In other words, the man that God proposed to create in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, he indeed created them. So if he created them, what that means is that man was created in God's image. What that means is that man was created in God's likeness. Amen. So, God's image means that Look at yourself, you look like God. You've been created in God's image. Hallelujah. In God's likeness means created to function like God. Created to function like God. Hallelujah. So God made man to function like him. That is very clear. Amen. But the thing is, the man God created is not the man that we see today. Something happened. Because if you go on to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28, Bible says in verse 28, then God blessed them, in other words, he blessed the male and the female man, and said unto them, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. Yeah, because we still see Men procreating, you might feel that yes, the scripture had been fulfilled. Amen. It's still being fulfilled. He says, fill the earth and subdue it. And he says, have dominion over everything I have created. Hallelujah. I give you dominion. I give you the rulership of the earth. But we don't see that happen today. Hallelujah. We don't see that happen today. We see man multiplying. We see man trying every day with science, with technology.
to subdue this earth, even though the wisdom right now has been corrupted, a wisdom that gets a solution and destroys the ozone layers, a wisdom that solves a problem and creates a greater world. Hallelujah! Something went wrong. God gave Adam dominion over all the earth. But we don't see that happen now. So what went wrong? He tells you that the man that God made in the beginning is not the man that man became after something happened. There was a change. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Amen and amen. Okay, so if you go on to read the book of Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18. Meanwhile, just before then, the Lord gave man an instruction and said to man, not to eat of a particular tree. Now there were two trees that were planted in the midst of the garden. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. And God called Adam and said, hey, Adam, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For the day that you shall eat of it, you shall surely die. You shall surely die. Glory to God. And God said it to Adam. And, you know, something happened in Genesis chapter 3. And you start the reading from verse 1. Somebody whose existence predates the creation of man... We went through something that was described in the book of Isaiah chapter 14 where he wanted to raise his throne above that of God and he was kicked to the earth. Amen. He was judged. That person came and his eyes had always been on something. Amen. What was the eyes of the devil horn? That old serpent. In fact, he was called Lucifer. As an angel in heaven. What was his eyes on? His eyes has always been on taking authority. Taking dominion. Hallelujah. So now, is some man, like man was a being created to take his place. Amen. Like a being that was created by God and given what he had always wanted. Because what he wanted was authority. What he wanted was dominion. Hallelujah. And he wanted to get it at all costs that he started a war in heaven. And about a quarter of angels in heaven fell with the devil. And God cast them, you know, the other angels, angel Michael leading the team, cast them house to the head. So now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, if you read this scripture this way, you will feel it was just the snake. Amen. It was the influence of the devil. So he said to the woman, as God indeed said, just like he's saying to people today, querying what God has said to them, questioning what God has said to them. Some he does it in thoughts, some in words, some he does it even in afflictions, in trials. He's trying to query that thing you have believed of God. But you got to learn how to say no to the devil. Someone say amen to that. And you know he said unto him. As God in this side. You shall not eat of the tree of the garden. 
And verse 2. Amen. He responded and said, We may eat of the fruits of the trees of the garden, but of the tree, of the fruit, of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it. That was an addition. Lest you die. And guess what the devil said? Then the serpent said unto the woman, You will not surely die. Hallelujah. So man at that point finds himself in the midst of two spiritual declarations. If you eat it, you will surely die. If you eat it, you will not surely die. And that day was like man was faced with picking who shall lord it over him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And that moment Eve looked at that tree and Bible says it was pleasant in her eyes. And she took of it and she ate of that fruit. Hallelujah. She ate of that fruit. You know, many say it's all this about fruit. No. It's about her. The word has spoken. It's about her. God had given an instruction. Hallelujah. His words are life. And he says, if you eat it, you will die. It's about the death. Oh, Lord have mercy. That man died that day. Bible says, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. Please note this, as at the time verse 6 was happening, Bible recalls that the woman was already deceived. She was under deception. But Adam, the male man, was not deceived. He remembered all that God said to them. He knew he was not supposed to eat. But now his wife had eaten. What will he do? Will he eat with his wife and let them suffer the consequences together? Amen. Or he will stand for God. Anyway, Adam took the same fruit and he ate. Now listen. Adam is the source of all man. Preeminence is ease. I don't know what could have possibly happened if Eve ate that fruit and Adam refused to eat it. But I can tell you something for sure. That the eyes of Eve would not have opened. Hallelujah. I cannot tell the possibilities. Amen. But the truth is that the eyes of Eve did not open until the man ate the fruit. The source of human. The one who alone can determine what the race of humanity would look like. Until that man had it, that the eyes of them both opened. Hallelujah. And Genesis chapter 3 and verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. The eyes of both of them were opened. And they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Oh my God. Now let me read verse 8 quickly. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. 
and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Oh my God, what has happened? And the Lord God cried, he called to Adam and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid, a new word, because I was naked, a new word, and I eat myself. And he said, look at what God said. Who told you that you were naked? Take a reverse step to Genesis chapter 2. We start the reading from verse 24 into 25. Hallelujah. And Bible says that for this reason, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And verse 25. And they were both naked. Said they were both naked. The man and his wife. And they knew no shame. They did not know shame. They were not ashamed. Hallelujah. They were both naked. The man and his wife. And they were not ashamed. Now this is it. Glory to God. So what happened? I'm sure many of you have read this story again and again and again. But you need to understand what interplayed in this place. And what turned the story of humanity to what it is today. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So, God said, the day you eat of that fruit, you shall surely die. Then the devil comes up and says... The day you eat, you shall not surely die. Hallelujah. Now, the death that God was speaking of here was not mere physical death. The death God was speaking of here, in fact, there's a version of scripture that says, in many, in death, you will die. In death, you will die. Glory to God. In other words, in many deaths, you shall die. I need to explain that quickly. Now, the word death there does not mean cessation of life. Because man is primarily a spirit. Remember when God made that body out of the soil of the ground, as recorded in the book of Genesis chapter 2, I believe, as he made the body from the ground, Amen. The body could not do anything. The body could not make any difference. The body was just there. Just like you put a chair on the floor. Until God introduced spirits into that body. And the moment spirit hits the body, it became a soul. Hallelujah. Man is primarily a spirit that has a soul and lives in a body. Man is primarily a spirit that has a soul and lives in a body. The unique thing about it is that the spirit and the soul of man is what you cannot separate. Amen. Because they are deeply interwoven. But we will come to that. Hallelujah. So, God said you shall die. 
I said death is not cessation of life because the spirit of man is designed to live eternally. What I'm saying to you is that your grandfather, your great-grandfather, your great-great-great-grandfather were, that, you know, died. Some of us didn't even meet them alive. They have not stopped existing. They are still existing. The only thing that happened to them is physical death, which can be described as separation from physical life. Amen. So death in this sense is separation from life. Separation from life. So when a man dies physically, what it means is that that man can no longer transact business in the physical realm. So I'll show you what happened to Hadam when he ate of that fruit. The moment he ate of that fruit, he died spiritually. Hallelujah. He died spiritually. So what happened to him is likened to what we call spiritual death. In other words, he was separated from the life of God. He was separated from the life of God. Adam and he became separated. In other words, in the realm of God, of the spiritual things, they could no longer transact business. Just like a man that dies physically can no longer transact business in the physical realm. Hallelujah. So it was no longer man, you know, in the God realm. If God will reach man since then, you know, God had to come into the man realm. Hallelujah. Because man was separated from God. Hallelujah. But you know, like I told you, what that word you shall surely die means is that in death you shall die. In many deaths. So what happened to man is not just spiritual death. Amen. <laughs> it's not just spiritual death. Now, because man died spiritually, he could now die physically. That's why Adam did not die physically immediately. He still lived for some time. But his body began to give way with a cry and desire to return back to where it came from. Because the life that was introduced into it, that was meant to sustain it, left. He was separated from that kind of life. All he had left was the human life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So it was because man died spiritually that he could die physically. Amen. But I want to show you another dimension, which is what is more important, which is the reason we need to arise and preach the gospel of Christ. Hallelujah. Much more than man dying spiritually, he procured on himself, he invoked on himself, he brought judgment on himself to die the second death. So what is the second death? The second death can be defined as the permanent and irreversible separation from the life of God. Hallelujah. It's the place of no return. When a man dies this kind of second death, there is no return. In other words, it is a state of being 
where the spirit, the soul and body of a man is totally, permanently, irreversibly, eternally separated from his source. Hallelujah. Glory to God. If you read quickly the book of Revelations chapter 2, and I start the reading from verse 11. He that art and hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Hallelujah. What the Spirit says to the churches. He says, he that overcometh shall not be hurt by the second death. He shall not be hurt by the second death. And Revelation chapter 20 and verse 6. Bless and holy is he that had part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Glory to God. Amen and amen. So the second death occurs when every man that lived on this face of the earth, every man, mark the word every, every man that rejects Jesus or does not confess and receive Jesus Christ as Lord to enact a new kind of life in him, every man will be judged alongside the devil. And they will be cast into hell. And hell then will be cast into the lake of fire. And Bible says, this is the second death. Amen. So this is clear in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 14. But let me start the reading from verse 13. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. And the death and, and death and age delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. The next verse. Then death and AIDS were cast into the lake of fire. And this is the second death. This is the second death. Now listen to me. The second death is a place of no return. This is reality. This is true. The first Adam fell. Hallelujah. The first Adam lost it. The first Adam incurred upon us all. Yea, the spiritual death, eternal separation from God that then led to physical death. But much more, beloved, awaiting every man that continues in that order of the first Adam is the second death. It doesn't matter. Oh, it doesn't matter. What the person does. Because this is not just a matter of good works. It's a matter of who man became after the fall. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So right from when this happened. Right from when man fell. God had been about one business. It was the business of redemption. Amen. I'll show you from the pages of scriptures. Immediately man fell. God gave a mercy line. God showed the mercy line. Go with me to the book of Genesis chapter 3. And um, let's start the reading from verse 10. Now, Adam said, so I heard your voice in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked. 
and I hid myself. You see, God knew immediately that this is another knowledge of another kind from another source. The original man that God created was not meant to know fear. The original man that God created was a spirit man that had a soul and the consciousness of the spirit realm overwhelmed this man. Was in charge. He had senses, but he was not ruled by the senses. In other words, you know, Bible says something to the pure how things are pure. He looked at a woman that was naked and he wasn't seeing nakedness. It didn't make sense to him. Hallelujah. What he was seeing was the image of God. Glory to God. You remember when God said to Adam to name all the animals in the garden. Adam did it. But how did he do it? How come he did it and God did not reject it and say no? He did it because he had spiritual and divine access to the realm of eternal knowledge of God. Hallelujah. So in other words, he just was calling those things by their names. It wasn't a scenario of thinking out a name to give them. It was naming them by revelation knowledge. He knew their name, the names that God has called them. That he used to command them to be from the foundation of the world. And he began to call it forth. If you've not seen that, let me show you again. You remember after God, in the book of Genesis chapter 2, I started reading from verse 18, or let me just go down precisely to verse 20. When God caused Adam to have a, a deep sleep, go to verse 21, thank you. He caused Adam to have a deep sleep, and he took a rib from Adam, and he made into a woman, and he closed up the ribs. He closed up the ribs. Look at this. You mean God would have put a man into a deep sleep and he would still have been aware? No, he wasn't aware. You think God would have sutured after removal of a rib and um, there would be a scar there? Oh no. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. How did Hadam know that this woman was born of her bones, of his bones, I mean, and flesh of his flesh? The same way he knew by revelation the names of the animals, he knew by revelation who this woman is. He looked unto the woman in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 22. Glory to God. Okay, and verse 23. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones. Ha! How did you know, Adam? Remember that he was alive in the realm of God. He was alive in the spirit realm. He wasn't dead. God warned him not to die by not eating that fruit. So there was a realm of knowledge he operated in. And that was why the moment he said... That when I heard your voice, I was afraid because I knew I was naked. God said, who told you? That's a knowledge from another realm. That knowledge does not proceed from the realm of eternal life. Glory to God. Amen and amen. 
Who told you? And you see the question and the challenge of who told you is the challenge of the humankind up to today. Human beings created after the image of God to function like God begins to see nakedness now and call it nakedness. Whereas in the beginning it was not so. When they saw nakedness, at that time they were not ashamed. Ichabod, the glory is departed. The covering is remote. Man is now sensual. Ruled by his senses. Ruled by what he sees. Now man feels something and all he can do is, hey, oh, he's dead, oh, he's pain anymore. Hey, what is that? Ah, confessing by the sensual. Man that was originally made in God's image that should know by revelation. Oh, what has happened to the original man that God created. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, man. Oh, man. But do you know what happened to man also affected the entire earth? Ha! Because man was the being that was created, that was fashioned, that was, that was made to exercise dominion over the head. But something happened. Man did not just look at that tree and eat. Maybe the story would have been different. Somebody told man to eat it and he ate it. In other words, he chose that man as his leader. Listen, one of the greatest things, damages of the fall, is that Adam handed over the dominion of this earth to the devil. Oh, he handed over the rulership of this earth to the devil. Oh, he handed over the, 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 you know, overseeing of the affairs of this world that was meant to be under Adam, under man, he handed it over to the devil. Hallelujah. You know, if there is a wicked man, I mean a really wicked man in your village right now, we don't know it. Maybe you just heard of him from maybe one of his wives or his children. But if a woman, if a man is wicked right now and is in the village of Shakusha, we don't know it. Hallelujah. But just imagine that that wicked man, we give to him the scepter of dominion and rulership over your country. Either you are in Nigeria Let's assume they make this wicked man now the president of Nigeria. Or let's assume they make this man the president of the United States. Would, would we know it? Aha! Uh-huh. Wickedness on its own may have a very defined expanse of influence. But the moment you give dominion to wickedness, you just unleash the dimension an expanse of his influence. The devil is a wicked devil. The devil hates man desperately. It doesn't matter who you are, what you do. Either you are a Christian, a Muslim, Hindu. The devil hates the concept of man because he feels that man 
took his place. Remember, he was once the anointed cherub. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And the devil hates man passionately. And that's why you read the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4. Bible says, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4, refers to the devil as the God of this world. He says, whose mind is the God of this world has blinded. The God of this world is the God of this rhyme. He took that dominion over from Hadam. Glory to God. And that was how he became the God of this world. He became the God of this age. I heard a man speaking one day. He said, if truly there is God, why are children dying? This is why children are dying. Because the one that is orchestrating the affairs of the world with the dominion that rightfully belongs to man is now the wicked devil. That's merciless one. Amen. Well, right from that day, God was about the redemption of man. God was about delivering man from the tyranny of the wicked. You know what the devil did? He received and collected that dominion from Adam. And he said, Adam, this dominion is over every work of God's hand. So I'm going to dominate this hurt, including you, Adam. So the devil put man under and began to dominate the creature that was actually created to be in dominion. Oh, how did the mighty fall? How is it that the king was turned to the slave? Man, a being created in God's image and God's likeness. Oh, what has happened to man? And you read Genesis chapter 3. We start the reading from, let's go to verse 15 now. Hallelujah. Okay. Move up to verse 12. Amen. Then the man said, because you remember in verse 10, they were hiding. In verse 11, give me verse 11 so that we can read it down. Amen. He said, God was asking him, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat? Have you? Then the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree. Ah, and I hate. What? You did what? I had. Ah! God turned to the woman. And the Lord God said to her, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me. And I ate. It was after eating that the woman realized that this was deception. So the Lord God said to the serpent, 
Because you have done this. Now watch what God did. The moment God discovered that man had fallen. He had eaten what he was not supposed to eat. He has incurred on himself both spiritual death, physical death, and judgment of eternal death. See what God does. Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. Because at that time, everything God created went under the rulership of the devil. He says, but out of all them all, in that dispensation, serpent, you are more cursed. In other words, the snake. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. Next verse. And look at this prophecy. Little would anyone realize what this meant. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and our seed. Your seed and our seed. The day my eyes opened to this scripture, I screamed. Do women have seeds? No. Men are the seed bearers. And God said here, he didn't say I put enmity between your seed and his seed. And her seed. In other words, that child that shall be born of a womb. Glory to God. He says you will bruise, you, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Oh my God. The heel there standing from the suffering that Jesus Christ must suffer. Hallelujah. Right there, God was making a pathway for the redemption of man. And to the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. Amen. And to the man, Hadam, look at what God said. Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and you have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you saying you shall not eat. Curse. Curse. What was curse? Man, no. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Because if God would place that curse upon the source of humanity, humanity would not be redeemable. Amen. He says, curse is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. And verse 18. Both tongues and teasels it shall bring forth for you and you shall eat the herb of the field. And verse 19. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. Because the process that man enacted by eating that fruit also guaranteed that dust must return to dust. In other words, physical death. So you return to the ground for out of it you were taken. For dust you heard and to dust you shall return. In other words, the judgment of physical death. And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. You see that? And verse 22. Then the Lord said, Behold, the man has become like one of us to no good and evil. And now, lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Can we read that again? That he will take his hand it will let it put out his hand and take also of what the tree of life. 
Remember it was two trees God planted in the midst of the garden. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. Listen to me, there is something about that tree of life. If you study the book of Revelations where Jesus was speaking about the churches, one of the things that he gave to them as benefits and blessings is that they will partake of the tree of life. What is the tree of life? And why did God not want them to eat it? He said because if they eat it, they will now do what? Live forever. Let me explain it to you. The tree of life is the tree of permanence of nature. If man partook of that tree, after eating of the tree, the fruit of the tree of knowledge and evil, if he partook of this tree, it will remain irredeemable forever. He's going to remain in that state forever. Hallelujah. He's going to live in that state forever. It's the tree of no return of nature. And man then will be doomed forever. So in his love for man, remember for God so loved the world. In his love for man, see what he did in verse 23. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. And the next verse, verse 24. So he drove out the man. And he placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way of the tree of life. Will it surprise you that the tree of life is on earth? And yet, man cannot deliberately, scientifically, technologically, mistakenly see that tree. Because of the love of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I thought you would rejoice at this point. God rescued man. Glory. Hallelujah. What a love. What a God. Oh, what a joy. To know that the Father loves us. He loves us peculiarly. He loves us deliberately. He loves us so much. Oh, the Father loves us. Thank you for your love, oh God. Lift up your hands and worship him for his love. Just thank him for his love. Thank the Father for his love. Oh, Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for your love for humanity. Oh, thank you. Hallelujah. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. I'm speaking unto you on the gospel of Christ. The power of God unto salvation. So right from the fall of man, God had been about the business of redemption, salvation, and righteousness of man. Glory to God. So if you begin to study the Bible from this time on, you realize that man became so evil that it repented God of creating man. Man, God felt like, ah, why did I create this man? This is not the man I intended from the beginning. This is another thing. This is a damnic man. This is not the man in my, in, in my will. This is not the man I saw when I wanted to make man. But God did not give up on man. You know what he did? When the whole world had turned away from him, Seeking after sexual sins and evil. They began to gather grass, trees, you know, 
Amen. Gather stones and began to bow to these things. To worship these things in the place of God. Oh. But one thing God did. The way to reach man is to call the attention of one man. Someone say one man. Someone say one man. So his plan was this. I will call the attention of the world by first of all calling the attention of one man. I will make this one man know the true God. Because at that time, man was lost in identity. Man was lost in source. They no longer acknowledged God. Never did they know that there was a true God in heaven. Who indeed created the heaven and the earth. The enemy had gotten them busy in various things that they forgot who they were. And from whence they came. Hallelujah. So God beckoned on one man. Well, I want to believe that the first choice that God chose could have been Enoch. But Enoch walked with God onto a point that God had to take him. That this one, you are operating many dispensations to come, even right from this dispensation. So Enoch, he took Enoch. Then he began to search for this one man. Then he found the man Noah. Hallelujah. And God loved Noah. Bible says Noah found grace before God. Amen. Amen. And you know what happened? You remember the story of the ark and all that. Beautiful. And God was to start something with Noah. But whatever he was going to start, remember God was going to choose this one man and reveal through him and his children, his seed, that he was the true God. But something entered into the lineage of Noah because of, I want to say, fail, it is incorrect parenting. And that's why you have to take parenting seriously. Noah placed a curse on his child. And because of that, God could no longer use Noah for this assignment. And God kept searching until he found the man Abraham. And that's why one of God's boasts about Abraham is that I know Abraham. He will command his household after me. He will command his children after me. Because what I am set to do is transgenerational. I'm going to be a covenant God to Abraham, his children, and his children's children. And I will be called the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. I will be called the God of Israel. Hallelujah. And God chose Abraham. And you remember the story. Now, if you look into the book of Matthew chapter 1, you start the reading from verse 1. Bible was going to describe the genealogy of Jesus Christ. What was he describing? The genealogy of Jesus Christ. Where did he start from? Abraham. You see that? So God had been about the business of Jesus coming right from when he chose Abraham. And Bible reveals that from Abraham... To Jesus Christ were 42 generations. So this day I sat down and I began to count the generation. And I found out something. That from Abraham to Jesus, I was only able to count 41 generations. I said, "Uh ah-ah, Bible says 42. But I counted 41. I said, Lord, where is the missing generation? I said, Lord... Where is the 42nd generation? And the Lord said to me, read it again. And I sat down to read again. Then I had to cry. I said, Lord, show me. Then I said that the scriptures made mistake. The Lord said, daughter, read it again. 
I saw them. It was as though the veil on my face fell off. And I saw something in verse 17 of Matthew chapter 1. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. And from David unto the captivity in Babylon are 14 generations. And from the captivity in Babylon until the Christ. Until the Christ. Until Christ. Until Christ. And my eyes popped open. Beloved, we are the 42nd generation. Hallelujah. So Jesus Christ was born as the 41st generation. And Bible says in the book of Isaiah chapter number 53. He says that who shall declare his generation. Oh, because he was taken like a sheep to the slaughter. He was killed, yet he didn't have any biological child. Little did they know that now he has drawn many sons unto glory. Hallelujah. But the death of this one man was the possibility of the Christ generation to be born. Beloved, we have the 42nd generation. Glory to God. Amen and amen. So, how did that come by? Let's go back to the gospel of Christ. The power of God unto salvation. We talked about the identity. I have described to you the incarnation. And now I'm showing you the life example of Jesus Christ on earth. This is very significant because it's the example of the kind of life that we believers ought to live. Amen. The kind of life that we believers have been called to live. Now that you are born again, you are not a converted sinner, beloved. You've been born spiritually. You've been born supernaturally. You've been born from on high. You've been born from above. You no longer live an ordinary life. You are not a mere man. You are not just a man of the Adamic nature. The old man is gone. The new man is here. You are a supernatural man. The ability of God is on your inside. The life of God is on your inside. That life without limits. That life does does not know anything holding it back. Oh, that life that can command light out of darkness. That light that can say it is so and it is so. That is the life that is in you. Glory to God. And Jesus has lived on the face of the heart to show us an example. You need to charge yourself. I'm not a bastard. I'm a child of God. Little one that Jesus told Mary. He says, don't touch me for I have not gone to appear before my God and your God. My father and your father. Look, listen. The same love with which he has loved me, he has loved you. Let your mind expand and absorb the truth of this new life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen and amen. Amen and amen. Glory to Jesus. So Jesus lived as an example unto us. Amen. So why did he come? Why did Jesus come? What is it about the gospel of Christ? Now listen to me. He came. He came, number one, to take back that dominion that the devil stole from Hadar. Well, did he steal it? Hmm. Hmm. Adam gave it to him. Hallelujah. 
Adam gave the dominion to the devil. Amen. And watch this. It came for much more. I'm still coming into that. But let's talk about this dominion thing. The devil did not exactly understand why Jesus was here on earth. But obviously he knew that he was the son of God. Amen. Amen. And um, if you look at the book of Matthew, chapter number 4. Let's start the reading from verse 3. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. And the next verse, so Jesus had to be tempted. Amen. Amen. The same temptation that Adam faced in the book of Genesis chapter 3. And he failed woefully and handed the dominion of this earth to the devil. Jesus was led into the wilderness by the spirit of God to be tempted of the tempter. To be tempted of the devil. And listen, the first temptation was for him to turn stones into bread. But Jesus answered in verse 4. And said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. By every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Do you know what he is saying or he was saying to the devil? I don't take instructions from you. Hallelujah. I do not take my instructions from you. Beloved ministers, it must be clear to you who called you. It must be clear to you who cuts the shots. It must be clear to you who gives you instructions. Amen and amen. We don't just do things because we feel like or someone said it to us. Who sent you? All glory to God. Jesus replied him squarely. I don't live by bread alone. Though I am hungry. But that's not what I live by in itself. But I live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I don't take instructions from you. And the next verse. Oh, mashona mahata yidabose. The devil then took him up into the holy city. And set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And said to him. If you are the son of God. Throw yourself down. For it is written. He shall give his angels charge over you. And in their hands they shall bear you up. Lest you dash your foot against a stone. He even gave him a scripture. And he told him to throw himself down. Jesus said to him. It is written again, devil. You must know the power of it is written. In this journey of the call, the enemy might suggest scriptures to you just to make you tempt God. You must know how to rise and use the power of that which is written. For that which is written is written. He says it is written. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. I'm not a tempter of God. It is you that do that. And verse 8 Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Now listen to me. In this place, this portion of the Bible, the kingdoms of this world were under the domain of the devil. Hallelujah. By the same dominion that he took from Adam. They were under him. And the devil guessed 
It seems it is this dominion that Jesus wants to come and take back for man. Of course, he did not understand the entire mystery, but he was making guesses. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. What? That Jesus, the son of the living God, that's still sweet in there. He says, Jesus, the living word, that's still easy. Jesus, that is God, should bow down and worship you, devil. Oh, thank God for Jesus. Because if Jesus had bowed to the devil, then man is a goner forever. <laughs> thank Jesus. Lift up your hands and worship him. And Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan. I mean, what Jesus came to get on head, the enemy was dangling it before Jesus this way. Say, look at it. Is this not what you came to get? I'll give it to you. Just bow. Just, you know, just worship me for one minute. And if Jesus had done that, he had surrendered all dominion to the devil. Oh, thank God Jesus did not. Away with you, Satan. Someone say, away with you, Satan. Away with you, Satan. In the name of Jesus. Away with you, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God. And him only you shall serve. When money stands before you and says, compromise your faith and bow to me. You say, away with you, Satan. You God of mammon. Away with you, for you shall serve the Lord your God, and only him will you bow to. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So Jesus did not fall for that temptation. He did not hand over to the devil what should have been the way out for humanity. Come on, give Jesus praise. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen and amen. So, Jesus also came to do something strategic. Apart from taking back that dominion that the devil took from Hayden, Jesus Christ came to take our place, to take upon himself all the judgment that was due man. So that if he takes it upon himself, then man can be free from that judgment. Man can take the place of Jesus. Hallelujah. So right from the garden of Gethsemane, even though it wasn't easy, even though Jesus cried that this cup may pass me over, but thank God for the vocabulary of nevertheless. Thank God Jesus said nevertheless. If it be thy will, then let it be done. Then at that point, Jesus stepped into the substitutionary work. And that moment he stepped into it, it was me that was in it. Because he took my place. He went into it for me. Jesus died for me. The second death that was due me, Jesus died for me. Hallelujah. That I may live. Look at the wisdom of God. That God came to take the place of man. You know, many times I just see it this way. Like you created a creature and called it ants. And you know, you made them to have dominion over a particular forest. And somehow, some people come to take that dominion from them. And begin to lead them to slaughter, to destruction. 
and you wanted to save the hands. You cried and shouted, they could no longer hear you because they've been turned away from you until, until the stranger that has come to take them, to take them over. And the only way to rescue these ones is to become an hand to yourself. Oh, how God became man. Oh, how God became man just to rescue me. Oh, no soul, no spirit will hear this and turn his back on it. The challenge is that we preachers need to arise and stop teaching about the Bible and begin to preach the gospel of Christ, which is the power of God unto salvation. That we preachers refuse to fall into the error of another gospel of another kind. That we will rise and preach Christ and Him crucified. The salvation of the entire earth. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. It's starting to substitution. And the moment is starting to hit. Amen. Bible talks about that place where Jesus took those stripes. Remember in taking those stripes, he was put to shame. They removed his clothing. They removed, in fact, it was recorded that he went through it naked because of us. The God, the creator of the universe. Jesus was humiliated because he wanted to rescue us. He was put to shame so that we will not shame no more. Hallelujah. And he was beaten. Bible says, listen, those stripes are not just ordinary stripes like the thieves on the cross were beaten. Those stripes are for our healing. He says, believe it and it is healing for you. That by his stripes you are healed. That he himself took your infirmity. And he bore your sicknesses. And by his stripes you are healed. He says the chastisement of our peace was upon him. So right now, oh, peace is ours. Because Jesus was chastised. So in prayer, we lay hold of what Jesus has done. We insist on it. And we confess that which is ours. Because of what Jesus has done. Oh, hallelujah. That's what we've been called on to. Oh, grab a shanaman de gerose. He took those stripes. Amen and amen. In the book of 1 John chapter 5, you start reading from verse 7. Bible describes how that three bear witness. Oh, my Sunday in heaven. Says the Father, the Word, and the Spirit. They bear witness in heaven. All three cannot deny it. Because the witness that day, hallelujah, that Jesus took those stripes. And go to verse 8, amen, hallelujah. And there are also three that bear witness on earth. The spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three also agree one, that it was for me that Jesus suffered. Hallelujah, he took those stripes for me. And by those stripes I am healed. You insist on it. He comes to a place it becomes a fight of faith. You hold on to what Jesus has done tenaciously. And the result can only be salvation. Because the gospel of Christ. The gospel that tells us what Jesus Christ has done for us. Is the power of God. Unto salvation. Oh someone shout hallelujah. Oh someone give Jesus some praise. Amen. Amen. So Jesus was beaten. Hallelujah. And while he was beaten, oh, blood came out of his body. <laughs> and they took him 
nakedly to carry his cross to Golgotha. And Jesus carried that cross. He got to a point he was so weak he could not carry, he could not bear the weight of the cross. In fact, someone had to come and help him. But thank God Jesus did not die on his way to the cross. Hallelujah! When he was so weak and tired, thank God he was not at that spot that he gave up the ghost. Oh, but because of us, he held on to life. He kept moving until he ensured he got to the place of the cross. He watched them pierce his nails on those trees. They were for something, beloved. They must not be in vain over your life. They must not be in vain in your ministry. They pierce also his foot. Oh, they put a ton of crown on his head. There is none of these things they did that did not shed blood. And by the shedding of the blood is remission of sins. Oh, glory to God. And the blood of Jesus has purged our conscience from dead works. Oh, hallelujah. You must know what the blood that was shed has done for you. That is the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation. And right there on the cross, Jesus looked and he saw that God for the first time was separated. The Godhead. The Father looked away from the Son. The three that agree in one at that time, the Father forsook the Son. Because of we, his children. Because of you and me, because of humanity that failed him in the beginning. But God still chose to believe in us. And Jesus cried, Eloi, Eloi, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Oh, God forsook Jesus. Why? Because of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. That he who knew no sin became sin. That we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Heaven cannot deny it. Heads cannot deny it. That Jesus became sin. And if he became sin, then I am the righteousness of God. Oh, glory to God. I'm the righteousness of God in him. That is who I am. The devil cannot redefine me. Situations cannot redefine me. I know who I am. Oh, glory to God. Rejoice somebody. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Oh, so Jesus Christ, the son of the living God was tested that I will never test again. Little wonder, he gave me a river of life that I will never test again. Thank you, Jesus. Bible says that cross that he died on is too significant. Never forget it. And that's why it must be rich on your mouth that Jesus died on the cross. Because if you study the book of Galatians, chapter 3, and you start the reading from verse 13, Bible says, Christ has redeemed us from the cross of the law. Amen and amen. amen. The Holy Spirit opened my eyes to the scripture and says, daughter, you've been redeemed from every curse. Curse of the fall. Curse of the law. Cause of natural lineage. Oh, whatever the cause you've been redeemed. 
Because when Jesus was hanged to the tree, scripture says, cost is everyone that hangs on a tree. Not cost of the law. It's everyone that hangs on a tree. Cost. So it covers all costs. Hallelujah. Your father costs you. Oh, come to your heavenly father. In Christ Jesus, the one who died on that cross, he took your place and now you are blessed. Hallelujah, somebody. And verse 14, it says, Ascent of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. Someone say amen to that. The blessing of Abraham is upon me. In Christ Jesus. Why? You must know why Abraham's blessings are yours. And you must know what Abraham's blessing is. Because if you don't know it, you will not know what you have come into. Hallelujah. Abraham's blessing is mine. Glory to God. Amen and amen. Because I have faith in Christ Jesus. Oh, thank you, Father. And now I have received the promise of the Spirit. True faith in Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And something happened. Jesus died. Amen. You didn't hear me. Jesus died. He died so that I will not die. He died to take away that judgment of the second death upon me. Jesus died. Hallelujah. He died that I will be reconciled to the Father. That I leave the zone of spiritual death for life eternal. Oh, glory to God. Amen and amen. amen. Jesus died. Amen. amen. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. And much more, beloved. Jesus went to hell. You know, when he died, the old man died with him. When he died, the old me died. Oh, yes, the old me died. So who then can lay charge against God's elect? The man who did those things is dead. Jesus died. Our faith in this is in Jesus. What we could not do for ourselves, what we could not make happen for ourselves, Jesus made happen for us. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And Jesus went to hell. And I assure you, he took that dominion back from the wicked. Someone say glory to God. And that's why we have authority in his name. In his name, we can exercise that dominion. Amen. Amen. Jesus went to hell. He made an open spectacle, an open show of the devil. He triumphed over them by the cross. And you know the good news? Is that the Jesus that died is no longer in the grave. On the third day, something happened. And what happened bad, bad it led to the emergence of the new man. It was the possibility of the new man. Jesus was raised from the dead. Jesus was raised from the dead. Jesus was raised from the dead. For hell could not hold him captive. Hallelujah. Jesus is risen from the dead. Hallelujah. I said Jesus is risen from the dead. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Romans chapter 5. Glory to God. Oh, Vramindegedo Sutabaliha.
Let's read the last verse. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, glory to God. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness. To eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is not even the scripture I'm looking for. It's Romans 4 and verse 25. Hallelujah. Romans 4 and the last verse. Amen. It says Jesus Christ was delivered up because of our offenses. And he was raised because of our justification. Hallelujah. We have been discharged and acquainted. No man can lay any charge against us. He was raised because of our justification. Hallelujah. Oh, that is good news. That is the gospel of Christ. That when he was raised, the new man in March. Oh, thank you, Father. And Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. We have what with God? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The same thing is in Romans, I mean, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You start reading from verse 17 and all the way down to verse 19. Amen and amen. amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. All this has its, its implications. And when Jesus was raised, Mary met with Jesus. And Mary said, Mary wanted to touch him. Jesus said, don't touch me. For I have not ascended to my father. I've not been before the throne. Because this entire sacrifice that I have offered, I must take it to him. And when Jesus ascended to the Father, oh, the Father said, now the claim of justice has been satisfied. Every man that expresses his faith in Jesus Christ is saved. is free from condemnation. Free from eternal judgment. Which is the second death? Someone say glory to Jesus. Glory. Hallelujah. Amen. And this is the gospel of Christ that is the power of God unto salvation. You must learn to go over this and understand every of its implications and hold on to it like a life wire, for that is the fight of faith. Insist on what Jesus has done for you. It is the power of God unto salvation. Let's begin to pray in the spirit. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. There is someone there is like a feeling like something wants to tear on your inside. Oh, the Lord says, let me, I am walking on you, see at the Lord. There is some of you, there are some of you there, God is enlarging your capacity. Something is happening on the inside. Take time to pray in tongues after this meeting and seek the face of the Lord. God bless you and lift you. The light of his word shines upon your heart. All oh, the eyes of your understanding is enlightened. To you it is given to know the mysteries of God. Oh, hallelujah. 
you know the mysteries of this kingdom. Stay blessed and stay charged. I will send your assignments on the platform. I love you and God bless you. Bye.